a listener production. <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis. Hello, Gistners, and welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party. And we are coming to you from the past. We are recording the this past. on the oh, we are. 22nd of June. You'll probably be listening to this on, what, the 2nd of July? Um, but we're doing a bit yeah. of a pre-record this week because I'm going away up north. So that means we won't be able to do, like, any breaking news, mm-hmm. which makes me kind of worried, like, what if something massive happens? If, Between now and the 2nd of July. So if that's the case, we'll figure out something and we'll go ahead and insert breaking news here. Uh, <laughs> or, or we just like come and do an episode of our nonsense while like World War Three has broken out and we're just like, la, 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 stupid stuff, blah, blah, blah. And like the world is burning <laughs> and we're just not mentioning it. <laughs> Uh, we don't have a crystal ball. Just, we can't predict these things. We're just not mentioning that, like, I don't know, uh, Queen Elizabeth died or something. <gasps> oh, toy, 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 touch wood. God forbid. I just but some, I just feel like whenever we don't do breaking news, like whenever we record early for whatever reason, I just feel like something big will happen. Mm. You know, we're tempting fate. We'll figure that out if that comes along. Isn't that a narcissistic way of thinking? Oh, if I don't record breaking news, if I am not on top of this, something big will happen in the world If because just the gist wasn't there and to talk about it. Where will the gistness be without our commentary on the culture <laughs> and the happenings of the world? I love how we're acting like we would we would put important breaking news in breaking news anyway. <laughs> like our breaking news is always just like a weird thing happened in this small town to do with poo. <laughs> like our breaking news is never important. <laughs> uh, a rare moment of self-awareness from Rosie Waterland. Uh, so it's your story this week, um, your JTG. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to relax. I am serving you JTG of one of the most dramatic and destructive mantrams of all time. A man <gasps> We love those. Mm. Mantrams. A guy Manties. in Colorado lived out this very elaborate revenge fantasy by modifying a bulldozer, turning it into an indestructible tank, and then rampaging through his town, destroying anything that belonged to anyone that he considered to be (laughs) an enemy. It's the story that's most commonly known as the tale of the killdozer. (laughs) Have you heard of this? Uh, No, I haven't. When? When? 2004. Oh, recently. Relatively recently. uh, 17 years ago. but. mm. The way it, it kind of feels like it must have happened in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? The mm. way, okay. Wow. 2004. Yep. I imagined him just like, you know, uh, bulldozing farm sheds and wooden <laughs> fences. No, it was modern times. Okay. He flattened He's the like town. bulldozing people's to- Toyota Corollas and such. Teslas. He's, okay. Yeah. Oi. Okay. Oh, tell me. Oh, I love a good Manty. 
So I have to give credit. This topic was suggested to us via our Instagram DMs from a fella called Brayden. Thank you, Brayden. This jumped to the top Brayden. of my gist list immediately because I'd never heard of it before and it made mm. me gasp and cackle so much. And then anyone that I mentioned it to also gasped and cackled uncontrollably because it's so outrageous and silly and I absolutely love it and I think you're all going to love it love too. It. Yes. So picture a very small town in Colorado, USA called Granby. It's kind of like mm-hmm. Shit's Creek sort of vibes in the sense that everyone knows everyone. There were around mm-hmm. 1,500 people living there. Pretty sleepy little place. It's one of the coldest places in all of North America. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's cold in Colorado, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And there in yeah. particular, like it literally is um, first or second most ridiculously cold, uncomfortable place on the continent. Nothing, though, had ever happened there to make global news ever until on June 4th, 2004, this guy threw the biggest temper tantrum that had happened in the United States for a long time, taking everyone (laughs) by surprise and making headlines all around the world. So... This rampage that came out of nowhere from everyone's perspective commenced at around 2 p.m. when this monstrous Mm. tank-looking thing that was once just a standard bulldozer burst out of the workshop where it had been modified in secret over the course of 18 months, just knocked right through the wall. And at this point... I'm sorry. Like in a movie, Correct. like where he doesn't even bother going through the Mm-mm. gate, just through the wall. Just <laughs> straight through the wall. And yeah. I think now's a good time for you to just do a quick little Google image search for mm. Killdozer yes, so that you've got an accurate image in your mind of what this beast of a machine looked like. Whoa, it's huge. <laughs> it's- ridiculous it's so enormous it's like a tank (laughs) it genuinely is like a tank and it used okay i I assume this is where the story is going but there's footage of it like going down what looks like a freeway Uh uh-huh and it looks like a big bulldozer tank like that on a freeway it looks a lot like the images of tanks in tiananmen square Mm. like just a Huge tank in a on a big empty road. Uh-huh. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Continue. So it used to just be a standard piece of earth moving equipment, but he turned yeah. it into this weapon of mass destruction covered in twenty thousand kilograms worth of armor. It looks a lot like um for those who are our age, like a um vehicle out of that old movie Tank Girl. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Or for people who live now, Mad Max Fury Road, mm. you know, with Charlie's Theron, it looks like one of those thrown together post-apocalyptic world in the desert, just a mm. bunch of metal scraps made into a big vehicle killer machine. Yes, intended to look as threatening as possible. Yes. So okay. the armour that you're looking at there, that's plating mm. that went all over the cabin and the engine, that armour was kind mm-hmm. of made like a sandwich and the bread of the sandwich was steel that was four centimetres thick and then the filling <gasps> of the sandwich was solid concrete. And in some sections, the entire sandwich was more than 30 centimetres thick. Like this was serious hardcore armour. 
I mean, I'm assuming he's a total psychopath, but don't you just wish you were smart enough to build something like that? Like, I find engineering and design so fascinating. Oh, he was. I could never do that. If I got angry enough that I wanted to bulldoze my town in revenge, I'd think about it for five minutes and go, well, I can't do that. Yeah. But this guy had like Kim the skills. Kardashian getting her law degree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we just talked about that because we just recorded that episode before this one, if you remember from last week. But it's one of those things where I would go, that's just not my skill set. Mm. I can't do I can't build a killdozer. Yeah. Well, it was Marv Heemeyer's skill set. He'd been an expert welder in the Air Force and then he owned his own muffler repair business. So, like, this was his field of expertise, modifying Say his pieces name again. of equipment. Marvin Heemeyer. Marvin Heemeyer. What mm. a name. Mm. Okay, Marvin. So he knows how to build cars and things. Yeah, I mean. Steel. He would constantly be modifying snowmobiles and whatnot. Welding. But yeah, all those cetera. things that... Like that scene in Flashdance where she welds. Yeah. That kind of thing. Along those lines, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. So he applied that expertise to this little revenge project. Like I said, he Mm. worked on it for a year and a half and then burst the killdozer out of the building (laughs) that used to once upon a time be his very successful muffler repair business. And Mm -hmm. he had a lot of hate in his heart. He had a personal vendetta against pretty much everyone in the town and he had a plan to ruin their lives. (sighs) Tell me about it. So off he went. I want to know. Straight to the property next door, moving at a speed of about 10 kilometers per hour. Like this Wait, thing was big and heavy. Wait, but are you going to tell me why? But, oh, yes, definitely. And as I get oh, through okay. the victims, <laughs> we'll explain okay. why he hated each of them individually. I was like, I want to know the petty grievances. <laughs> okay, you'll get to we those. Will. <laughs> That's going to be the best part. On an individual basis, yes. Yes, okay. So target number one was the yeah. Mountain Park Concrete Factory. He immediately mm-hmm. flattened one of the small office buildings there. Marv hated the concrete factory. He never wanted it to be built next door to his muffler shop. Obviously, he lost that fight because there it was. He hated the guy who built it in the first place and he blamed the town council for letting him build it. Most of the grievances come back to the fact that this concrete factory existed at all because, I mean, there's all sorts of boring detail when it comes to zoning disputes and land ownership rights and whatnot, which is ultimately what it comes down to, but we won't get into that. The dispute had been going on for more than a decade and Marv would have just been thrilled to see Cody's building crumble and Cody knew immediately that it had to be Marv behind this because the two of them were enemies. So this tank bulldozer is so strong it can knock over a building. Oh, yeah, big ones, yes. It's got so much force behind it with all that extra weight in particular that it could just knock over entire walls. And that was the sort of strategy that Marv used with all the buildings that he took down. He would knock down the facade first, then he'd take down one of the side walls and then the entire thing would just collapse. And then would he have to kind of reverse really slowly? Beep, beep, (laughs) beep, beep, and like do a three-point turn yeah. and then go back in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so go for it, Marv. A receptionist who was working at a different business 
next door saw what was happening out of her front mm. window and immediately called 911, tried to help the operator understand what was going on and <laughs> reassure them. This was not oh a God. prank call. There was actually a homemade tank <gasps> demolishing the concrete plant. And, oh, look at that. Cody Docheff, the owner of the concrete plant, was now outside shooting at the <gasps> thing attacking his building with a little small pistol. And sure enough, he had what would done it do? exact. Oh, it did nothing. The yeah, bullets just bounced the, off like they were pieces of popcorn. That's the genius of a giant tank bulldozer. Mm. Who, who can stop you? <laughs> no one, as we will come right, to discover. Okay. So the killdoes had just moved on to the next building in the concrete plant, knocked the walls down, the roof collapsed. Cody and his crew on site frantically tried to shove big metal rods into the treads of the dozer to try yeah. to stop it. Uh, that didn't work. The treads just chewed the rods up and spat them out. So then Cody, who was in his 90s, tried to... What? Yeah. His name's Cody. I assumed he was like a 23-year-old Stoner. Mm. Who's called Cody in their 90s? He was a Bulgarian immigrant. What? I know. And must have been a Cody's nickname. Cody's the name of a surf bro <laughs> frat boy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's re- I'm recalibrating in my brain. Mm. Cody is 90. Picture okay. a very old weathered man in a flannelette shirt with a trucker cap Got on. It. And he tried to climb on top of the dozer. However, Marv... Mm had thought a few steps ahead and he'd greased up the entire dozer with lubricant. So it was impossible (laughs) to get a grip anywhere. That is so smart. (laughs) I was like spikes, but no, why would you bother with spikes? Just grease it up. Yeah, just get some Vaso on there. Um, And so Cody kept trying to climb and he'd just keep slipping off. So then... Cody decided he would have to fight off the killdozer with one of his own big boy toys. So he went and got his big front end loader and he drove it at the killdozer as fast as he could. What's a front end loader? It's like one of the lifty machines. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I get it. I'm doing a scooping action with my hands. All my knowledge of what you're describing comes from when Muhammad used to watch Bob the Builder. So I I know from that which one you mean. Okay. Yes. So 10 kilometres per hour, he just (laughs) ran at the killdozer. (laughs) And, of course, he just bounced right off it. Yeah, of course. It's like that scene in Austin Powers where the steamroller is going towards the man and he's like, no, 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 and it's going so (laughs) slow. So comical. It's kind of dying. This entire incident, when you watch footage, (laughs) like all of it is happening in such slow motion, but they're just so powerless to do anything to stop it. Yeah, because it's just so huge and indestructible. Then Cody thought he might be able to flip the killdozer onto its side if he tried getting leverage under it with his scoopy thingy. All he did, though, was sort of lever up the back of his own vehicle a few metres up into the air. And so then when his vehicle crashed back to the ground, it knocked Cody entirely unconscious inside of the cabin because of the impact. And so the killdozer just kept knocking down the concrete plant and then a cop finally arrived, he couldn't believe what he was seeing and he didn't really know what to do. So he called for backup and then got out of his car and tried yelling at the dozer, demanding that it stop in the name of the law. <laughs> yelling. <laughs> like 
old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> uh, and then the yelling didn't work, so then he tried shooting the killdozer with his rifle and that, of course, didn't even dent the shell at all. More cops then arrived on the scene in response to the call I'm already for exhausted and we're only at the first... <laughs> Place. There's so much more to come. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> okay. And the cops are following from this. I thought maybe he'd get to a few places before the cops got onto it. No, oh, they're no. there from the start. Oh yeah, and by now he's probably been already going for about 15, 20 minutes because you know the speed oh at which this god. thing moves pretty limited. This is pretty subtly genius, to be honest. This is he. Ge- this is smart. I'll say it here. Marv was a jerk, but he was very clever and very mm. skilled. Total asshole, but, like, he built this thing so perfectly and he thought of everything. When the cops showed up, the killdozer sent a very direct message to the cops that they were not to meddle. There were three very high-powered guns set up around the killdozer and they started Mm. firing warning shots near the cops to warn them that this was a fully equipped war machine. Didn't hurt any of the cops, luckily. And then a few shots went off near Cody, which woke him up out of his little coma. He saw that the damage had been done. His concrete plant was completely gone. So he ran over to the cops and told them he was certain that this was the work of Marv Hemeyer and he must be up in the hills somewhere around the town controlling the thing via remote control. Oh, I thought he was inside it. Well, he was, but they didn't think he was at that point because there are no windows in the armour, you might have noticed. So how would he see? Yeah. They had no idea, but he had five cameras rigged up around the perimeter of the tank and he was sitting inside watching everything through monitors that he had set up. He Mm. is a diabolical genius. Really and truly. And this is how much he'd thought about it. The cameras were protected by bulletproof glass 10 centimetres thick and each of those cameras also had a pressurised air gun set up in front of it so that if dust or debris started to block (gasps) the glass, he could use air to blow it away so that his visibility wasn't compromised. He has legit thought of everything. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He even installed air conditioning inside so that he'd be nice and comfortable throughout the rampage. I was going to say, is he sweating his ass off? No, he installed air conditioning. And he brought snacks. Ah! <laughs> what snacks? Do you know? <laughs> I'm guessing beef jerky, but no, I didn't get him. Oh, that. Not, not some like triple cream brie, some crackers. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was more of a Doritos kind of guy. Um, Dorito, yeah. What do they have in the US? Uh, cool Ranch Doritos. Mm, yeah, that feels and like Bud his Light. Leg. Yeah. Right? Mm. Oh, yeah, he probably had a couple of beers. I should probably give you a bit of a description of him so you've got a mental image of Marv Hemeyer. 53 years old, classic Mm -hmm. boomer, wore Birkenstocks with socks and wraparound sunnies. I I wear Birkenstocks with socks. That's kind of hipster now. Is it hipster or is it chuggy? No, uh, maybe it's chuggy. I wear Gorman socks because... Socks are the only thing Gorman makes that fits me. And my, I wear Gorman socks, my black Birkenstocks, and, like, that's what I wear on the weekend, like, when I'm going to the shops, like, with, you know, my athleisure wear with tights and a jumper or whatever. I'm not going to comment. So, (laughs) look, look, when was this? Did you say 2004? So, back then it was daggy. Now it's kind of hipster. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Don't. Don't judge, okay? Okie dokie. Well, he was definitely doing it not 
ironically and certainly wasn't yes. any sort of fashion choice really it was just uh-huh. for comfort with him oh did he wear did he wear um uh oakley sunnies the wraparound oakley sunnies yes with those neoprene yes. necklace things uh, that mean no. that you can like hold it around your neck uh, yeah i'm totally picturing him to wear a floral hawaiian shirt when he was posing oh. in photos with big guns and big bullets and dead He's- fish I feel like I don't even have to ask, but he's super white, isn't he? He's a white guy. Yes, he was, and everyone in the town was. It is the most homogenous yeah, town okay. I've ever seen. Um, um, so super white, and is he like um, kind of looks like he's been in like uh, very straight laced, probably been in the army, probably you know, if he has kids, like makes them stay outside in the cold as punishment for, you know, if he has a son and he wants to do ballet, he's like, no, like the dad in Billy Elliot, but who doesn't turn nice in the end. Oh, definitely that kind of aesthetic. He was never married and he never had kids, but you're spot on. He was in the Air Force. So he Uh, did have that sort of disciplined military background. Um, And yes, you know, very short silver hair and a short Uh, silver beard. Mm. Is he kind of red faced? Like he's white, but always looks a bit weathered, sunburned and angry. Weathered. Weathered's Mm. a good way of putting it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Also, no surprises, he was a Scorpio. This whole revenge plot had such (laughs) Scorpio energy. Scorpios, as we know, hold a grudge and take vengeance like no other sign. I was going to say, you know how you always read terrible things about like so-and-so flipped out and murdered his entire family or so-and-so, you know, snapped and took revenge and went on a shooting and you go and look at the photo and you're like, yeah, not surprised. Mm. Like, is that how he looks? He just looks like you'd go, yep, I can see that. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It tracks. Yeah. Yeah, it tracks. So, uh Marv finished demolishing his enemy Cody's concrete plant and everyone at the scene hoped that this was the end of it, that he'd demolished his enemy's entire business and world um, and that it was all over. But no, 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 Marv was just warming up. He started firing at all of the cops' cars again to get all the cops out of the way so that he could then rampage directly at the cops' cars and just roll over the top of them as he headed (gasps) off into the main (laughs) part of town. This was just the beginning. He's literally built a war machine. Like the fact Mm. that he's inside with no visibility except from cameras, but he can control guns Mm -hmm. and aim them with precision. Mm -hmm. Like that is a war machine. No kidding. This thing is a tank. Like we'll keep calling it a dozer or a kill dozer from time to time, but it is a tank. It's a tank. Mm. And I bet because he's white, he doesn't get charged with terrorism. But this is essentially an act of terrorism. He's built a war machine. Yeah, it was classified as an act of terrorism. Oh, good. Which means a lot of the people that you're going to hear about end up penniless because they didn't have insurance for acts of terrorism specifically. (gasps) Oh, no. Mm. Okay. All right. And Marv possibly knew that. Anyway. Off he so he went. runs over the police cars yep. and off he goes. And the cops, they were just powerless to do anything. So they just followed along on foot because they didn't have their cars anymore. <laughs> and it's they were really <laughs> fun. Like every two seconds I want to start laughing at the visual, but like it's going slow enough that the police can follow it on foot, but it's like futile. What are you going to do? Yeah. Throw a rock at it? Uh, yeah. Like what are you going to do? And they're not even like walking 
at a brisk pace. Briskly. They're walking they're just, very slowly. But they're like just like a funeral possession. <laughs> yeah. They've pointlessly also got their guns, uh, guns pointed at the dozer. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Knowing that there's nothing that they could do. But I'm dying. Okay. As Marv drove past a building, one of the officers managed to get up onto the roof of that building and then jump onto the roof of the tank. Mm. And while he was up there. And, and the lube didn't slip him off. Mm-hmm. He was up there for a surprising amount of time trying to find a way to get inside, but he couldn't find yeah. an entry point at all because Marv had welded himself inside <gasps> when he got in there. What? Mm. He wanted to make sure there was absolutely no way anyone could get in and thwart him. But you said there's air conditioning, which means there has to be an outside vent. Mm -hmm. And when the cop found that vent, he started shooting bullets in there. (gasps) That had absolutely no effect. There was some sort of defence system set up in there. It reached a point where one of the cops who was down on the ground said, try some flashbang grenades, which are just oh, things yep, that make yep. a loud noise and a bright spark. He started throwing them down the air vent. Even that didn't work. All the cops who were flanking the killdozer kept yelling up different suggestions, but none of them worked because Marvin anticipated everything. But I bet he had thought of everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. He had thought of everything. Mm-hmm. Then. It's so, okay, I know you're saying then. But imagine if you were someone in the town who had wronged Marvin in some way mm. and you're like, I know he's coming for me, but you can't stop it. Yep. Like he's going to get here in 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and he will come and mm-hmm. he will run over my house. Yep. And you can't, it's a tank. <laughs> what you, it's like do. very slowly waiting to be attacked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. What can you do? I know. Until he got into town, though, not a lot of people knew that this was going on. So the first yeah, okay. people that were caught by surprise were working at the Mountain Park Electric building and Marv got okay. there and just completely demolished it. Why did he demolish it? He didn't like one of the guys who worked there. That guy's name oh was Dick God. and Dick was on the town council and Dick had voted for the concrete plant. The concrete plant, okay. Yes. So right. that business had to go. Then next door, Maple Street Builders. He knocked that completely flat. Why? Because <gasps> the owner of that business, a guy called George, had declined to sign Marv's petition against the concrete plant being built. What? That was his... <laughs> only grievance, but it was enough to just completely destroy (gasps) George's income and livelihood. Uh, 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 I'm just uh, like, how it makes you kind of think if I step out in the world tomorrow, I should just be careful to not ever wrong anyone Mm. because you never know who's going to be a Marv, what's his name, Heimeyer, 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 and just snap. And he comes and one day, 10 years from now, a tank is approaching your house (laughs) and you're like, what is happening? And the man inside says, I approached you on the street one day and you didn't sign my petition. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) It just makes you think I got to just be kind to everyone always because you never know who is a psycho. Sign every petition, Gisners. It's a precautionary Every petition measure. always. 
At this point, 911 operators started doing reverse calls to call all of the people who lived in the town and they told them, you need to shelter inside because there's a madman on the loose, which is such a genius thing to tell people to stay inside the buildings that are quite likely to be demolished by the guy who's going around demolishing buildings. Exactly. The one weapon you have is that you can walk faster than (laughs) the tank. So do not shelter inside a building. (laughs) Get out on the street. Run. You don't even have to run. Walk. Walk at a brisk pace and you'll be safe. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Thankfully, not a lot of people took it notice of that suggestion from the emergency services. Mm. Instead, the rampage started to draw a big crowd because everyone obviously (laughs) wanted to see what was going on. So there was this group of people just walking around on foot, open-mouthed, watching as Marv's killdozer just (laughs) systematically (laughs) destroyed the town they lived in. Does he have a little trail like the Pied Piper? Like people just walking by? (laughs) Yes. It's the killdozer. It's the cops on either the side and then it's just looky lose coming along. Oh up my the god. Rear. Like when OJ Simpson uh, was in the white Bronco chase when he mm. took off in the car and people started lining the side of the highway because they knew he was coming and like <laughs> lining up on the overpasses because they were like, oh he's 10 minutes away. Let's run out there and wave when he goes past. <laughs> it's our chance to be part of history. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Marv went off to take down the town hall and they were a pretty obvious target (gasps) Uh for him. They were the ones who he believed had been trying to suppress him and his business, which, I mean, his business was actually very, very successful. He just didn't get what he wanted because the concrete plant was built and that made things just slightly more challenging for him in certain ways. Right. So it didn't put him out of business. Not at all, no. It was just a, it was one white straight man not getting his way Correct. once. Yes. He made was... him lose his mind. You know what I'm going to say? <clears throat> Gender <clears throat> dynamics. <clears throat> Why are men? <laughs> okay, you may continue. So, okay, he was angry about the concrete plant. He also felt it was very unfair that he started getting fines for not being connected to the sewage system, which... Wait. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not connected to the sewage system. Yep. And this was something that he had got away with for more than a decade. He'd had his business uh-huh. in Granby for 13 years. He'd never been connected to the sewage system. And the council knew it, but they sort of turned a blind eye until he kicked up this fuss with the concrete plant and then it sort of thrusted into the spotlight and they couldn't ignore it anymore. So they had to start fining him for the fact that, do you want to know what he was doing? Yeah, no, I was going to say, may I ask why? What was his alternative? He had a giant cement mixer on the premises and he filled up the tank of the cement mixer with all of the effluent that he and his clients deposited. (laughs) And then when it reached the point that it was full enough, he would go and empty it into a stormwater drain. And that (gasps) is an incredibly hazardous thing. To be doing, yeah, that right? is so selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally disgusting. But they didn't force and him to connect to the sewage line because it was going to be too expensive, $80,000. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, yeah, like what kind of cost will it be? But, I mean, that is just a cost of being a person in the world. Mm. 
Like, sorry. Yep. You can't just shit in the middle of the street. You can't just fill up a bucket and then go pour it wherever you want. Mm-hmm. So they were fining him $100 a day and he thought that that was very unfair. So the town hall had to go. And do you think he cared that downstairs at the town hall was the town library and that there were maybe children inside? No, he didn't care. Of course he he didn't didn't care. care. No. And in Mm -hmm. fact, there were kids who were in the library that were luckily evacuated just minutes Mm. before he got there and started smashing. He completely levelled the town hall, destroyed the kids' playground outside and if you can believe it, the cop who was on top of the dozer was still up there when most of this (gasps) happened. Still! He had been along for the ride for almost all of this time, just shooting bullets into what he thought might be potential weak spots in the armour, but he'd run out of bullets and it was time to get down now. sliding on the lube (laughs) and, yeah, okay. (laughs) Then the next target was the police station. Marv did not like the cops. They were part of the establishment that was trying to suppress him. So smashy, smashy, goodbye, police station. He lit, he, he, he just bulldozed the police station. Correct. Yes. That is truly a sign that resistance is futile. He is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I am dying to know how they stop him. I'm dying. Okay, keep going. I won't He literally it took out the police station. Yes, he did. And then off he went to the bank and Marv Marv hated the bank because this one time in 2003, Mm. he was trying to pay the fine that I was discussing before about the the sewage sewage with a check. He'd made out the check to the cowards and liars department in the recipient (laughs) field. Oh, God, I hate him so much. Mm -hmm. He is definitely um, an incel. He's definitely one of those guys who he's not married and he doesn't have kids and he thinks it's because women are stupid sluts who only want to date Brad Pitt. He had a girlfriend for a while because that was my first thought. I was like, he definitely has to be an incel. But when you watch the documentary that I'll explain later on, you hear from his long-term girlfriend. They had broken up at this point. And when it comes to the never getting married, never having kids thing, he believes that God intended that he never get married or have kids so that he could complete this holy mission that he was on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Sounds like the Unabomber which is also on my gist list. Oh, I can't wait for that because I know nothing about it. Um, Yeah, that's a lot like him. Yeah. So it wasn't a problem that he'd used cowards and liars in the recipient field. The problem was that when he'd written the check and I've never had to write a check, but I am sort of familiar with the concept. I know that you have to Mm. write the amount in digits as well as in words. Mm. And he wrote it so that the digits didn't match the words. And the bank Uh, had called him up and said, Mr. Hemeyer, we're so sorry, but we need you to come back in and correct the error on your check if you wouldn't mind. And that was enough to piss him off. So the bank (laughs) had to go. So he wouldn't. (laughs) So uh, bank smashed. Next stop. Bank smashed. The local newspaper office, Sky High News. <laughs> now, He's just hitting up every important place. Mm-hmm. 
Most of the staff was still there inside the building. The editor of the newspaper, Patrick Brower, was watching out the window as the killdozer came down his street. Mm -hmm. And he didn't think that there was any chance that they would be a target because they had run free publicity for Marv's muffler business. But Mm -hmm. Patrick realised pretty quickly he was entirely wrong because the killdozer started charging directly at them. So Patrick <laughs> yelled to all of his colleagues, evacuate. They managed to get out of the back doors of the building seconds before Marv started smashing in the facade of it and he wiped the place out <gasps> completely. Tell me the petty grievance. Well, when the paper <laughs> wrote about Marv's court cases to try to stop the construction of Cody's concrete plant, Marv did not find the articles to be especially flattering when they wrote about him. So the paper what? had to go. <laughs> they hadn't said glowing what? things about his fight against the right. concrete plant. So smashy, smashy. Also, smashy, smashy. Marv hated Patrick personally because one time Marv had rented his truck to Patrick and he told Mm. Patrick up front there were problems with the engine or something. Mm. The truck was returned to Marv in the exact same condition that it was rented with the exact same engine problems, but Marv suddenly started pretending that the engine problems had never existed until Patrick rented it, blamed Patrick for the damage, demanded $800 compensation from Patrick or threatened Mm. to sue him, blatant extortion, and Patrick thought, Mm. okay, I'm just going to do the easy thing, I'm just going to give him the $800, paid that ridiculous unnecessary fee, even yeah. still, though, Marv got exactly what he wanted but still hated Patrick. So Patrick what? had to be punished. But he paid. Right? This guy was so unreasonable. He's a nutter. He's a nutter. Absolutely. And yeah. he was far from done. Once he'd finished with Sky High News, he then started smashing all of the cars in the car park outside, oh doing as much God. damage as possible. Seriously, though, there truly is nothing more dangerous than a man with a huge ego who feels that he has been wronged Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. It is scary. Yep. And, I mean, the thing is he was the only person really that was getting in his way at any point. Mm. Like he was his own worst enemy. Yeah, which is always the case, which Mm. is always the case. Yeah. Like if he didn't have friends and he wasn't embraced in the community, it's because he did shit like what he did to Patrick. Yeah. Like... Absolutely was his own worst enemy. The police, they were just trying to do what they could do and Mm. they just kept attempting bigger and bigger guns with bigger and bigger bullets, but no matter how big the gun or the bullet, they would just bounce off the tank like foam Nerf missiles while (laughs) Marv headed off to take down his least favourite family in the world, the Thompsons. Marv absolutely despised the Thompsons because they were the richest family in town. They owned a lot Mm. of land. They owned a few businesses in town and they had quite a lot of power. Mr Thompson Sr. had been the town mayor for a while before he died and Marv truly believed that they were the leaders of the cabal of people that were trying to suppress him and keep him down and stop things from going (laughs) his way. Why did he believe it was them? because they were Catholics and he believed that all Catholics were evil and that they had something against people like Marv who was an evangelical type. 
Oh, God. So Marv got to the Thompson family home and smashed it to pieces, might have killed Mrs. Thompson, who was in her Mm. 90s, who had been (gasps) asleep just minutes before the cops came and evacuated her because they could tell that the Thompson house was going to be the next target. Jeez Louise. Then Marv went next door, destroyed one of the Thompson's businesses, and by this point just about everyone in town was there to watch, plus all the news crews had arrived. Helicopters were buzzing around and transmitting the footage to the world. So a lot of people around the globe were watching live because this was such a crazy story. So people were watching as this killdoze of this giant tank, which was by this point covered in debris and bricks and stuff, (laughs) is just slowly moving around the town, taking out building after building, while the cops were still there trying to shoot it with these giant guns and it just had zero impact. Wait, so I feel comfortable continuing to laugh. Does anyone die? No one outside of the tank dies. Ah, okay, so I can keep laughing. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> we call okay, it this the, is funny. Yeah. I think the reason that it's called Killdozer is just because it's, you know, it's a buzzy, catchy sort of word. Sure. I mean, he welded himself in, so I wasn't expecting things were... He, I don't think he was expecting a, a, satis, a satisfactory end yeah. for himself, but okay, let's keep going. He knew uh, just he was as long never as coming no, out. As long as no little old ladies die and then I feel bad that I've been laughing for the last 30 minutes. Okay. (laughs) I wouldn't have presented this story in this way if that were the case. Okay, good. So then Marv started heading to the outskirts of town. There was a business that he wanted to take out that he wasn't happy with because they ran the business on land that they rented from the Thompsons. And Marv targeted a few businesses that he just was pissed off about the fact that they were renting the land from the Thompsons oh and thereby God, supporting just, the Thompsons. But you just rent land that is there to be rented. What yeah. do you? Mm. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. He also, with this particular company, which was a propane company, felt that it was unfair mm-hmm. that they charged him standard $40 fees whenever they had to come out to his property. And that was another reason he had a big vendetta against them. Marv Mm -hmm. got to the property and on that space they stored these giant tanks of highly flammable, highly explosive propane gas outside, Mm. like just out in the open, these giant things like twice the length of a bus and Marv. Well, they do that on properties, don't they? I mean, I assume that's just a country town thing. It's a standard practice, yeah. yeah. Marv positioned the tank and started firing very big bullets at the very big tanks <gasps> to make him from his very big gun. That was his intent. Yes, he wanted to blow the big tanks up, cause maximum damage. Had he been successful, anything in a two-kilometer radius would have just been blasted away, probably <gasps> except two? for the killdozer. Mm-hmm. Did you just say two kilometer? Two kilometers. That's how big the blast would have been because there were multiple tanks, and if he'd got what? one to explode, they all would have gone. They all. <gasps> yeah. So a lot of people would have. All the police around it. Every, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. And I mean, just to paint a picture of how bad a tragedy this could have been, there was a nursing home next door and a trailer mm. park next door, full of people who had not yet been evacuated. But luckily. 
he'd screwed up this one particular element of the design of the death machine so the bullets weren't firing exactly the way he wanted from the particular gun that he was shooting from. And so he ended up just getting frustrated, gave up on blowing up the propane tanks and headed back into town, (gasps) thankfully. That is lucky. Oh, very, yes. I mean, it could have just been one bullet and the entire place would have been a crater. The governor of Colorado heard about what was going on and in, I can only assume, a blind panic, gave the go-ahead to summon the National Guard to use Apache helicopters armed with Hellfire missiles to destroy the killdozer. And Well, but, I mean, you say blind panic, but what else are they meant to do? How else do you stop it? You really have to understand the blast radius of the missile that they were planning to fire at the dozer, though, because it would have caused significantly more damage than Marv had done and was probably capable of doing. So it was very short-sighted thinking. It was sort of their only option, like this is the only artillery left available to us that we haven't already tried, so let's give it a crack. But it would have been really bad if they've been able to follow through with that plan. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But he gave the go-ahead, so they started arranging that. In the meantime, the local crew there on the ground tried parking another type of giant earth mover in Marv's path, and this was a piece of machinery like three times the length of the killdozer. But the killdozer just swatted it off like a bug, like a shuttlecock in a game of badminton and kept on dozing. (laughs) Because he had specifically made it with like inches thick steel Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like a regular earth mover is going to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And you can see the It doesn't matter how much bigger it is. (gasps) What? Oh, yeah. There's footage of all of this because the helicopters were recording everything Uh, as they're buzzing around. So you can watch all of the footage of this <gasps> as it happened. Oh, my God. He got back into town, taking out lampposts and fire hydrants mm. and post boxes, cars, trees, everything, heading for Gamble's Appliance Store. He hated the owner of Gamble's Appliance Store, Casey, because Casey was also on the town council and he also voted to approve the concrete plant. So Marv mm-hmm. used his usual favourite method took out the facade and then rolled down the side, taking out the entire wall. But this time he didn't realise that inevitably he was going to end up driving over the top of the basement of the store, which is (gasps) what happened. So then the right-hand tread of the dozer was suddenly just whirring in midair, couldn't gain purchase on anything. And so after two hours of rampaging around the town, demolishing everything, he was suddenly stuck and he fought against so he's, it for about a so minute. So basically he's, let me just get this right in my head. So he's um, moving forward across the ground, mm-hmm. but then the basement is under the ground and the floor falls through. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden he's like he's hanging over a cliff. Exactly. The back half of the tank is still on the ground, but the front half of the, tack, of, of the tank is hanging over an empty space because yep. that's where the basement is. That's right. So he's stuck. Yep. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, okay. It'd be like if a car lost the two wheels on the right-hand yeah. side of it. Like he was going absolutely nowhere. And he resisted okay. for about a minute, just crunching all the different gears and trying mm. to get it back into action, make it mobile again, then realised it was futile and just turned the machine off. And mm. the cops expected at this point that there would be some sort of 
gunfight, showdown. So they all mm. retreated and sought shelter, waiting for Mer- Marv to emerge and continue on with his rampage. But he didn't come out, so they tentatively approached the killdozer. And as oh they my got God, I'm, closer, I'm literally I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh my god. A few What's of them he gonna heard do? what they thought was a gunshot coming from inside <gasps> the dozer. Um, mm-hmm. And they thought that they could put together what might have happened, but they were still very cautious. Yeah. They thought Marv might pull some sort of kamikaze move and just blow yeah. the whole thing up. Maybe the entire thing yeah. was a bomb. I was going to say the whole thing might be a bomb. Mm. Like, you don't know. Yeah. The Apache helicopter was thankfully called off at this point and the SWAT team was sent in. They got there and tried to blast open the dozer with explosives. Each of the bombs that they used did nothing more than just leave a mild stain on the cladding. (laughs) They tried three different bombs, each bigger than the one before it, did nothing. Finally, they brought in this special cutting torch to get inside, but it took them 10 hours to cut through the steel and the concrete and create a hole in the top of the dozer. They then sent in a remote controlled device with a camera to scout out the inside of the vehicle because they assumed it had probably been booby trapped. And so they weren't willing to risk sending anyone inside. And once they did get that robot inside, they were able to confirm that Marv Mm. indeed was in there and that he'd taken his own life by gunshot. Um, And they confirmed that about 12 hours after the rampage began. Wow. So after the whole incident was done, Marv's brother handed over a bunch of audio tapes to the FBI that he found in Marv's home and they were homemade (gasps) recordings that Marv had made and they explain in painful detail why he believed he had to do what he did. You can listen to those tapes if you want to. They go for Uh, more than two and a half hours. Um, They're available on YouTube. And if you were to listen, what would probably Mm. strike you the most is what struck me the most, his unbridled narcissism. He Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And that's what makes me go immediately go, I don't want to listen to that because Mm -mm. what he wanted was for everyone to listen to it. You know, it's like, no, F you. Mm -hmm. No, no, thank you. Yeah. Like just fully had main character syndrome to an extreme Mm -hmm. degree. He believed that everyone in the town was fixated on trying to get him. Like he just thought Mm. that he was the centre of everyone's universe. Also believed that all of this was God's will and that Marv was a special chosen vessel for God's divine power and God had brought him to Granby to complete God's special special mission. Mm. I mean he truly was a you probably piece this together, a religious nut. And like he goes on and on about how he says it was God that made this bulldozer available to him to purchase in the first place. And it was- Yeah, that's what God's concentrating on. Mm -hmm. God (laughs) made sure that the dozer just Mm -hmm. fit. It was just the right size to fit inside his Mm. muffler shop. And he also says that if God didn't want this to happen, he would have stopped me at some point. But no, God gave me the idea to Mm. do this. And then... Well, by that logic, if God didn't want abortions to happen, then he would have stopped those. But Mm -hmm. I guess it only works when it applies to things that you want, doesn't it, white straight men? Mm. (laughs) 
the logic that he used as well was that he would play the lotto every week thinking that if God didn't want him to do this, then God would make him win lotto so then he didn't feel the need to complete this mission ever again. Oh, my God. That's this level of delusion that we're dealing with here. He also goes into a lot of detail about every grievance that he has with every person in town. And the funny thing is a lot of people have taken that on face value. There are thousands of people who believe Marv's side of the story. They see him as someone who took on the man and won. He's kind of become this blue-collar folk hero to anti-government types. They see him as the David who beat the Goliath. And they consider him to be a reasonable man who was just pushed too far and had no choice but to do an unreasonable thing, which is exactly how he saw himself. And he sort of Mm -hmm. developed this following, this fan club of people who completely agree with him. But that feels the same as like there are so many uh, shooters like in the US, mass shooters who I won't name because they have a rule now that you don't name them because that's what they want, Mm. who have massive online followings of people who are like, yeah, he never got a girlfriend. Girls were mean to him. I totally get it. Or Mm. yeah, life sucked for him. So like I totally am behind his thing. And to be honest, it is generally straight white men Mm. who have found that life hasn't worked out the way that they wanted And toxic masculinity has made them feel like there's only one way to be a man and they have struggled to be that kind of man. Mm -hmm. And so they have felt less than and then they have blamed the world for that. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of men in their wake who then look at them and go, I get it because I Mm -hmm. feel that way too. And the only way to solve this shitty way I feel is to hurt other people. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I like the fact that he has people who – are looking at him as a folk hero, it's like, well, if people look at mass shooters as folk heroes, then yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did something way more cool and ex- I'm surprised I haven't heard of this, to be honest. Mm. Like, because he kind of really went out in a blaze of glory, if that's how you want to look at it. Yes. Mm. Uh, so once the dust had finally settled and the cops had sort of figured out exactly what had happened, they broke the killdozer down into very small scrap parts and sold it off with various different um, sellers to make sure that people didn't know where and when it was being sold because they didn't want people erecting a shrine to Marv Hemeyer because Uh, they knew that there were going to be people who started worshipping him. A lot of people, like I said, Their homes, their cars, their businesses were destroyed. They didn't have insurance. Yeah, and and in such a small town, it would have felt like half the town was destroyed. Like it would have felt monumental. Yeah. Yeah. You can see there are videos on YouTube where they do tours of the town today and you can see some of the buildings have been rebuilt. Some of them were just completely demolished and some of the damage is still there today, 17 years later. Mm. And, you know... No one was killed, but Mm. a lot of people's lives became very difficult for the years afterwards. So Marv really was just a selfish jerk who was destructive and violent because things didn't go his way and then he gave the responsibility Mm. for that to his God rather than owning it for himself. He's disgusting. Yeah. 
If you would like to know more, there's this really good documentary called Tread that came out in 2019. It's available on Netflix US. If you happen to have a VPN, it's also available on <laughs> cough, cough, YouTube. Cough. <laughs> yeah. Is that illegal? It To have a VPN where you access content that is not licensed to Australia, it, technically, yes, it's illegal because the people who made that are not getting... When when something gets licensed to our country, they get paid for that. Uh-huh. And so if we are watching it outside of that, then, you know, it's just as someone who creates work that I rely on people paying for, I try to pay for everything when I possibly can. But there are some things in Australia that it is bizarre to me that the US thinks Australia doesn't matter and we mm. don't need to see it and they don't license their content to us. Mm. And so I we, I have a VPN. Oh, I'm about to get arrested. I have a VPN <laughs> that I use to access US content, but only if I have exhausted every other avenue of trying to pay for something if I can. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some things that I don't know why they're just not available in Australia. I'm like, mm. you idiots, we will pay you for it. We want it. Mm. But you are not giving me the option to pay for it. So I have to go and watch it in a different way, which I wish I didn't have to. But anyway, yes. <laughs> so VPNs are uh, iffy, mm-hmm. iffy. But you know what? I still think as an artist, you would prefer people to access your work than not at all. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a larger conversation, (laughs) but yes. Mm -hmm. Tread, tread. Tread, yes, which I'm sure they wanted to call it Killdozer, but there was already a sci-fi movie from 1974 called Killdozer, which we need to watch at some point. It's about a bulldozer (laughs) that's possessed by aliens who came to Earth on a comet and they forced this dozer to hunt and kill all the members of the construction crew on the site where it's been stationed. (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they couldn't call it Killdozer. They called it Tread. Um, The first part of it is quite lengthy. Imagine, okay, imagine going from Killdozer to Tread. Mm, You could have gone from Killdozer to... I don't know. <laughs> the killdozer that could. Yeah, you know what? Like, killdozer, like, oh, if we can't have killdozer, then we'll go tread. <laughs> you could have done something as awesome as killdozer. Okay, anyway, mm. okay. Interesting choice. Yeah, the first almost half of it is a bit of a snore because it goes into all of the detail about the local council disputes and Mark's uh, beef with everybody, which I've saved you all from. But then it picks up speed and it gets into some really cool insightful stuff. Like it shows you how Marv built the armor while he was living in what used to be his muffler shop. He'd work at night when no one was at work at the businesses next door and he'd shit in his bucket and he'd watch the same two movies (laughs) over and over again. Every night, Robocop and A Man Apart, which stars Vin (gasps) Diesel getting revenge on his enemies. And fun fact, just before Marv welded himself into the killdozer, he shaved off his head so that he looked like Vin Diesel when he went no. and got revenge on his enemies. What a loser. Mm. What a loser. 
There's also a book that Patrick Brower, the former editor of Sky High News, wrote, and he did call it. Oh, the one who was in the building and saw the tank approaching. Yeah. So he goes into a lot of detail with all sorts of different eyewitness accounts of the attack. Um, So get into that if you're keen to really dive into the detail of this thing. And like I said, there's heaps of content out there on YouTube, loads of articles that have been written. We'll post some links. But that is just the gist of Marv Heemeyer's Killdozer, which he called the the MK Tank and the $7 million Mantrum that he threw. Wow. Mm. Uh, This is just why are men... Why? I mean, I know why, because society has set up a toxic system where toxic masculinity raises men to feel like they have to be a certain way. And then when things are, oh, okay, I could go, you know, Mm -hmm. I could go on and on about gender dynamics. I won't. But the point is, this man reminded me very much of um, we have had to get a little serious here in the last, I mean, it happens all the time, but particularly in the last 12 months, anyone in Australia could name and tell you in detail about the men who have murdered their wives and children in vicious, abusive attacks of anger and narcissism and abuse. And he reminds me exactly of that. And that's why I asked you, like, you know, does he, does he have a wife? Is he an incel? Like, because it, honestly, I feel like if he had been married with children, he would have taken this anger out on them mm. and not on the town. You know what I mean? It's all the same. It's just narcissistic men who feel like the world owes them something, but the world is now changing where straight white men are no longer at the top of the pyramid. We are now embracing feminism. We're embracing diversity. We're embracing a world where there is more equality. And the men who once didn't have to do anything to be at the top are now finding that things are changing and they aren't alpha dogs anymore and they don't know how to handle it. Mm. And so they react in this toxic, abusive, awful way. And it just, yeah, I, I truly do think that if he hadn't have done this, he he would have done it to people close to him. So it's very lucky that he was so awful he didn't have anyone close to him mm. because he would have done it to them. Mm. What a piece of shit. What a piece of shit. Look, I mean- Everything that you read and watch about him is biased one way or the other. And, like, what I've just presented to you is very heavily biased against him because, yes, I do think he was a piece of shit based on everything Mm. that I've read and watched about him. I think that he was just destructive and violent and I think he was the type of person that was totally unwilling to ever see anyone else's point of view. And he put himself at the centre of everything and either made himself the victim or made himself the hero. And I have no sympathy for him really and truly. And I think that it's a good thing that um, he, yeah, didn't have a family. That He did have a lot of friends though who still defend him and who Mm. really miss him. Um, But I don't think that they got to see... All sides of Marv, really. He he drove that tank at that town hall knowing that there was a library there that was 
probably filled with children. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had no way of knowing it had been evacuated. Like, he was... He was a monster. He was a narcissistic piece of shit. 100%. And the people who defend him. He is he is just lucky that no one died. He's lucky that no one died. Blind luck. He shot yeah. at those propane tanks and he could have yeah. killed hundreds of people if he'd been successful in doing that. Yeah. And, I mean, that was clearly something that was premeditated that he'd thought about doing. Like he wanted to of cause course. maximum damage. He was concerned for no one's welfare. He just wanted the, you know, Vin Diesel movie type giant explosion to happen in his little fantasy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, look, that was really funny right up until you start thinking slightly deeper about it. And then mm. you're like, oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> but I will say that the the enduring image of like an incredibly destruct a destructive tank going at about two kilometers an hour with people just walking very slowly <laughs> behind it like who can't do anything it's so that is good. very funny to me it's <laughs> very funny to me it is the epitome of that Austin Powers scene with the steamroller <laughs> like what can you do what can you do yeah and that's funny to watch it in real time wait till you watch it at sped up time. As well, <laughs> and like with Benny Hill, do, 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 music no. set behind it. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny. Okay, <laughs> okay, I can't wait. All right, that was really good. Okay, so this has felt weird because we've literally recorded that massive breaking news app. Then my app about Biosphere 2, mm-hmm. then this app, we've literally done that all in the last few hours in one big chunk. It's been a marathon. And then next week will be business as usual. Next week from when this drops, because yep. we're, this is the future. <laughs> we're talking to you from the past. Anyway, we'll be back to normal. I have, it's my turn next week, so I'll come up with something. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. See you then. Bye. Bye. Listener.